Jewish audio on Chabad.org. We're coming, we're going. A Jewish person is always on the run. We're always traveling places. It's not for nothing that we are called the wandering Jew. This week's Torah portion has two names, and one of the names is Masse, which means journeys. And it's referring to the 42 journeys that the Jewish people took in the desert. You know, the Jewish people are in the desert for 40 years. It's a long time. But why do they have to go through all these stops and starts and journeys? 42 different stops. And not only that, the Torah lists every single one of them. There must be a message here. The Holy Baal Shem Tov explains that the journey that the Jewish people experienced is not only about them, but it's actually our journey as well. The reason why the Torah lists all the different journeys the Jewish people took is because it's a message for us in our own lives that we as well have so many different journeys in our own lives that create a strategy and a journey and a compass of where we're coming from and where we're going. But the obvious question is asked, if you look at the 42 journeys in the desert, some of them were great, some of them were wonderful. The Jewish people see the Torah at Mount Sinai, The Jewish people marked many other significant, wonderful achievements and growths as they were traveling in the desert. But unfortunately, some of these journeys are pretty sad, pretty down, pretty depressing, pretty negative. Why does the Torah include all of these journeys in its list? Why can't we just forget about the past, let go of those times when we made trouble, and only focus on the victories? The Rebbe explains that there's such a powerful message here. And the message is that the broken pieces is what makes us whole. We cannot neglect and ignore and undermine the difficulties and the hardships that we experience. It is the difficult times that make us stronger. It is the hardships that we experience that help us become who we are. And therefore, it is so important that as the Jewish people are about to enter the land of Israel, and they're reflecting upon the journeys and the travels they've experienced in the last 40 years, it's important to revisit and re-examine the downs that they experienced, and recognize that the hardships that they had were just springboards for the next up, bring them to the Holy Land of Israel. And this is the lesson for us in our own lives. Think about the past failures and challenging moments, and recognize that you're human. And that's where they happen. But now's the time to actually utilize those to help you become stronger. Sometimes we take one step back and take two steps forward. And when you know that secret, that when you fall low and you fall hard, it's really a diving board. So you can prepare yourself to a greater heights. When you know that secret, you can hold on tight and you can bring yourself to much greater horizons. And for this week's story, I want to bring you to the more recent past, a story about a group of six young men who, when they were at their lowest, when they felt like they failed, that's when they ultimately succeeded. This story takes us back to 1994. Shortly after communism fell, the Rebbe encouraged Chabad emissaries to do everything they can to rebuild Jewish life in the former Soviet Union. It was a very difficult time because thousands of Jews, tens of thousands of Jews who lived in the former Soviet Union were so ignorant of their heritage because growing up it was impossible to study, to explore, and to learn, and to experience Judaism. So join me as we visit with a group of six young men who came from across the United States and beyond with a special mission. They were sent from 770 Chabad World Headquarters to the city of St. Petersburg in Russia to help and support the new Chabad emissaries who recently arrived, Rabbi and Mrs. Pevsner. These six young men, rabbinical students from Chabad World Headquarters, arrived in December, shortly before the holiday of Hanukkah. You can well imagine the culture shock they had, these six American boys, 
exiting the airport and seeing a decrepit bus waiting for them, um, they realize that the only way they can really help these Jewish people is if they really immerse themselves in the culture and understand their language. And sure enough, they purchased tapes to help them learn Russian, and they went to language classes. For food, they really struggled. There was not so much kosher food available. They had lots of potatoes and eggs, and slowly they began to learn the ropes. They started teaching the local people and made the visits to the homes and tried to inspire the youth with a Sunday school. They made a Jewish teen club. They did everything they can to uplift and inspire these Jewish people who were so thirsty to learn and to grow. And they did all of this while they were pursuing their own rabbinical studies, trying to do their part to make a difference in the Jewish future. The first huge event they took upon themselves is to create an incredible concert for the holiday of Hanukkah. You have to understand that under communist rule, the younger generation knew absolutely nothing about Judaism. And not only that, it was fearful to go and publicly express your Judaism. But these young men decided they're going to bring the unaffiliated young people into this concert hall for a mega Jewish concert for a display of Jewish pride that was never seen before. And sure enough, they embarked on a huge advertising campaign. They had ads that were made in Russian, flyers, signs all across the city. It wasn't easy because people were shocked that they were displaying Judaism so proudly. But they weren't intimidated. They kept going. And sure enough, my friends, the concert was a huge success. More than 5,000 Jewish people filled the concert hall. And the students were so excited to see younger people coming as well. They just went around the room speaking to each person, trying to connect with them, trying to collect their names and information. And after the concert, they were in such a high. Wow, what an incredible success. Immediately afterwards, they began visiting the homes of the many people that they met. And slowly, their youth program started growing, their Sunday school, their Hebrew school. They opened a little Jewish school. And as the months went by, they were able to impact and inspire more and more families. Soon the holiday of Purim came around. They organized a big event in the Grand Choral Synagogue, a magnificent building that unfortunately was neglected under communist rule. And here too, they brought thousands of Jews to celebrate the holiday of Purim, then became Passover. Now for Passover, they decided we got to do something really big because Passover is one of the only holidays that the Jewish people actually celebrated through thick and thin, even under communism. So they decided that they're going to make a model matzah bakery. They're going to create a large space where children can come, hundreds of children, and make their own matzah. They figured after the great success they had for Hanukkah, for Purim, they're going to attract at least 500 to 1,000 kids. They rented a huge hall, which wasn't an easy thing to do. And the real challenge they had was obtaining 500 rolling pins. They went from hardware store to hardware store, and no one had any wooden dowels available for them. And after much effort, they managed to get a hold of a bunch of broomsticks, and they spent nights chopping them up into small rolling pins ready for the five, 700 children who will come and participate in the model matzah bakery. They even set up a mock Passover Seder. They got a hold of romaine lettuce, which was very difficult to find in Russia. And after so much preparation, they're so excited. The day has finally arrived. They get everything set up. They open the doors and they're waiting for the crowds to show up. But their waiting, unfortunately, turned longer than expected. One hour passed and then another Not one visitor. What did they do wrong? Didn't they advertise everywhere? Was it the wording of the signs? Was it the design? Was it the location? As the hours went by, 
the students became frustrated. They couldn't believe how low they had fallen. Such a high, huge events for Hanukkah, for Purim. And now comes Passover and not one Jewish child showed up. They decided to close the doors. We're just going to finish early. But one of them insisted, let's wait. Who knows? Maybe somebody will still come. Let's hold on tight. Sure enough, he decided to wait just one more hour. And at 4.30, a Jewish mother walks in with her two young children. Wow, the students were so excited. They gave them the grand treatment. They got the full matzah baking course and instructions how to do a seder. And of course, as the family left, they took their contact information. And at 5.30, they closed the doors and went home. They were brokenhearted. They were so down. They were depressed. They couldn't believe it. How could it be? How is it possible? And as they reflected upon what happened that day, they couldn't get over the terrible disappointment they felt. How only one person showed up when they expected 750. Well, one of the students, reflecting upon their experience, got up the next day and said, you know, we know and we are taught and we are reminded that every experience that we have needs to be a springboard for further growth and greater opportunity. One Jewish family showed up, two children. Let's go visit them. Sure enough, he calls them up and he finds out they actually don't even live in St. Petersburg. They live in a small town outside of the city. The mother says, you have to understand that under communism, I didn't receive a Jewish education. But I always remember the Passover was something important. So last week, during my weekly visit to the city to do shopping, I noticed signs about the Mala Matzah Bakery and I decided to bring my two boys. And the reason why I came so late is because I had to arrange a ride to come bring me all the way to the city for this event. So the young man said, can I come to your home? Maybe we can come visit you. And sure enough, a few days later, the young rabbinical student, along with one of his colleagues, enter the home. And they were surprised to see that they actually had four children. There were three boys and a girl, and they start schmoozing, and they start talking. The mother brings them some cold water, and the children and the mother took tremendous interest in the Jewish topics that the young rabbis were sharing with them. And at one point, the mother says, would you like to meet my husband? They said, of course. And she sent one of the children to call him. They came to the room where their father was in, and they said, respectfully, there's an American rabbi who came to visit. The father comes out of the room. He's a large, muscular man. And he sits down by the table, and he starts speaking rapidly all about Christianity. The young rabbinical students were surprised. Here is a family so interested in Judaism, and the father can't stop talking about Christianity. So they turned to the father and said, tell us, what's your story? Now open up your hearts, my friends, for what happens next. The father begins to speak with much emotion. And he says, I am Jewish. And in fact, because I'm Jewish, it's so important to me that my children should know about God and know about religion. But I don't know anything. I know nothing. There's no religious school in town. There's nowhere to go. So I sent my kids to a Christian school. And that's how we learned about Christian faith. I want you to know, the father says, we're very religious. We love religion. In fact, I gave each one of my children religious names to remind us how we are Jews. But what can I do? We don't know anything about Judaism. So we're learning about Christianity. As the young rabbis hear these words, they're shocked. The father continues and says, look, let me introduce you to my four children. Each one of them has a special Jewish name. My daughter is named Sarah, after the mother of the Jewish nation. My son is named Shalom, because I know the Jewish people always pray for peace. My other son is named Lemuel, because that's the name of a king that I found in the scriptures. And finally, our youngest child, our youngest son, I wanted to 
find a name that represents Judaism to me. And to me, growing up in communist Russia, Judaism was about suffering and pain. So I named my son Babi Yar, because that is the location where more than 100,000 Jews were massacred in the forest by the Germans during the Holocaust in 1941. So I am so excited to introduce you to my children. They represent Judaism in my life. And that's why I named them with such Jewish names. The young rabbis didn't know how to respond. Babi Yar, what kind of name is that to give to a young Jewish boy? The father was so excited about any Jewish learning that these young rabbis can do for the children. And sure enough, they promised to come pick them up every Sunday to bring them to the Hebrew school and teach them. And they hosted them for Shabbat. And sure enough, for the rest of the year, this family got really involved in the programs that the young rabbis were doing. End of the year arrived. The students said farewell to all of the families they got to know, and they headed back to New York, moving on to the next stage of their lives. And as they moved on in life, they always reflected upon the failure of that Passover model Seder, where they expected 750 kids and only two children showed up. And now, my friends, I invite you to join me to just five years later. 1998. These rabbinical students since then all got married. They moved on. In fact, Almost all of them established Chabad of their own around the world. One of them, one of these young students, his name was Rabbi Mendel Gurevich, he moved together with his wife Rivka to establish a Chabad house in Offenbach, Germany in 1998. Now, join me as it's right before the holiday of Passover when the rabbi reaches out to Chabad World Headquarters and says, please send me a few young rabbis, rabbinical students who can help me for the holidays, reach out to the Jewish people. And sure enough, just the day before the holiday in the busiest time, the young rabbinical students show up and they come help get everything ready. The rabbi is so focused, so busy, and Passover doesn't have time to talk to them. He just gives them some directions. And sure enough, it comes the Seder night. And they have 150 people who join. They're singing, dancing, celebrating. The Seder is over. The rabbi plops down on the chair, takes a deep breath. Ah, it's been a nonstop marathon for three weeks straight getting ready for the holiday. And now he finally turns to the young men, the two young men who came from 770, Chabad World Headquarters, to help for the holiday. And he says, thank you for coming. Thank you for all your help. I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to welcome you until now. It's been so hectic. But tell me, who are you? What are your names? Where are you from? And as he said those words, the rabbi looks over at one of the young men and says, actually, I think I recognize you. Who are you? Where are you from? What's your name? And the young man looks at Rabbi Mendel Gurevich in 1998 in Offenbach, Germany, five years after Rabbi Gurevich spent a year in St. Petersburg, Russia. He looks at Rabbi Gurevich and says, my name is Babi Yar, and I am originally from St. Petersburg. My friends, these young men thought that that model matzah bakery was a failure because no one showed up. They felt they reached the lowest of the low. But the truth is that the father and the mother of Babi Yar were so moved by the impact that these young men had on their children that they transformed their lives and eventually they brought the family to Israel to live in a religious community. The children went to yeshiva. And now Babi Yar is a great chassid who came to help out to spread Judaism in Germany five years later, together with the very same rabbi who brought him to Judaism. And today, Babi Yar has a beautiful Jewish family. My friends, remember, no matter how low it may seem to be, it is always just a diving board, a springboard to take you to the next level.